There's no teaser today. I'm it. <laughs> good, good morning, everybody. Good morning. As Craig mentioned, a uh, few technical glitches this morning, but I, I have to tell you, I got here early during the, the, the height of the crisis, and it's like launching a space shuttle around here when things don't go right. I mean, uh, Paul, I know you're feeling it the most. Just know we love you. You're, you're a great leader. You made it through this, so it, it just happens. And I have, uh, I've never used a, uh, Corey does this every time. He uses a handheld mic. I've never done this before. Um, so I'm somewhat excited, probably should be nervous, but I, I'm, I'm okay. Hey, you look great this morning, by the way. Uh, good morning to you and Happy New Year. My, on behalf of my family, some of whom are here today, and um, just our whole community, we just are so grateful for this church and for you, and just thank you for being part of our service today. And I, I take it by your presence that you either, did, did you stay all the way up till the ball dropped last night or the peach bowl was over? Yeah, right? <laughs> Yeah, we, I, I remembered a story briefly. Um, when, when our kids were little, our oldest was 10, and we had a bunch of cousins in, in, in our orbit. You know, they're still in our orbit, but they're big now. Um, and they, uh, we had seven little kids under the age of 10 at our house for New Year's, and they got it in their head that midnight came and there was something exciting that happened. Well, the parents, us parents, my brother and his, sister, and, and his wife and my wife, we were exhausted. And so we played a little trick. We just went around and changed all the clocks. Is that bad? We thought, well, we'll just convince the kids that it's, you know, it's, midnight's a lot sooner, around 9. So it went great. We were building up, building up, building up, excited. And then, you know, we, and then we, we celebrated. And then there came a howl about... 10 minutes later when we forgot one clock and my 10-year-old son at the time discovered it and was so outraged that it set him on a course today where he's just finishing law school at Notre Dame because <laughs> he is not going to stand for injustice in any way. So Ian, I don't know if you're here today, but thank you for being part of it. And, uh, but we had a lot of fun with that and we remembered it. But if you stayed up, thank you even more for being here this morning. That's why we moved the service a little bit later just for your benefit. I went to bed at 9. Uh, just so you know. Well, a couple things about, as Craig mentioned, this series. We're excited to start the series in January to really talk about what it means for us to, as Christ followers, to, to develop healthy rhythms, healthy, a healthy concept of the different aspects of growing in our faith with Jesus. And so we're going to take some weeks and Sunday, uh, the Sundays in, during the month of January to really focus our attention around some things. And I hope you'll consider it as just sort of a reset and maybe... I don't know what your year has been like, as Craig mentioned in his prayer. I know there's, it's been a very hard year in lots of ways for many of you. But we also believe that God is always waiting right around the, the next corner for us to, to take us to the next thing, to, to lead us into something even greater. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about the routine of prayer and what that means. But, but what we really want for you, what I so desire for you, is that you would gain a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and how much he loved you this year. That's what I want. That's the purpose of disciplines and practices and all the things that we'll be talking about. So before we jump into that, a couple images that we use around here. Well, in, I guess it's an American thing, but it might be a worldwide thing. You know these images that you get on New Year's Day, right? Are you familiar with this image of the old man and the baby? See something like that? So the old man represents the old year, congratulating the incoming baby who's going to take over. for the, Well, that's what I feel like. I'm the old guy. 
But I thought you should know that there's a lot of babies around, especially this church right now. So we asked some of our new parents this year to send us pictures of them. So we're going to scroll some slides, and I know none of you will look at me for the next three minutes. But here's some of the babies that were born at Central Wesleyan this year. Isn't it great? I want to watch these too. Oh, we have, yeah, we're praying for her. Yep. How sweet. Oh. <laughs> I love how creative parents are today. We didn't take enough pictures, honey. Oh. So just a handful, right. And, and, you know, as you're watching these, just know we have an amazing ministry that starts from the time babies are born. If you want to, parents, if you want to uh, leave your kids with us for the time that you're worshiping, we, we desire from the time they're little um, all the way through the years that they're in your home, we want to partner with you to help uh, kids grow up to know about Jesus. So we're super excited. And I, I'm excited to add, there's one, one that didn't make the picture list, but Nick and Jamie Walters, Nick is our uh, middle school pastor, they welcomed Evangeline Joy into their family this uh, December 30th, uh, right at 2 a.m. So Nick, I don't know if you're watching, Jamie, but we love you guys and we, we appreciate you so much. We're excited for, to meet Evangeline. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about um, baby pictures and we had an experience when we brought our youngest home. Um, when we, he was born at Holland Hospital and he was born on Earth Day in 1996. And Holland Hospital, to commemorate Earth Day, they gave every newborn baby a little tiny tree seedling. Well, they gave it to me. He, he couldn't hold it. But uh, it was a six-inch tree seedling about this big. And, you, you know, you just grabbed him out of this bin. And it was sweet. And, and, but we took it seriously. Anna and I took it seriously. And so um, we just took a picture of him. Can we put that picture up? This is that tree seedling. Oh, please come up. No? Okay. All right. Testing one, two. All right. Well, if, if there was a picture on the screen right now, this is what you would see. Um, you'd see a boy holding his hand up, a young man, 26 years old, and behind him would be this huge evergreen tree that would, would just kind of framed him. And we, were, we took the picture this year, and it reminded me of spiritual growth, of how things sort of, yay, oh, that's him, that's, that's my son, and that tree behind him is literally that seedling. Now, along the way, a couple things happened. We moved twice, so Ann and I pack, packed up the tree carefully. Sometimes it was the last thing we remembered, um, and we slid back in and, and, and dug it up. Um, I think the last time we, we moved it, it was maybe about two or three feet tall, and then uh, we planted it, but we, we, we took special care. This was a special tree to us. And, and so we, now we wanted to take a picture every year with them. We're not, we're not that together. So every five or six years, we would snap a picture of it. But, but, but here's, here's what I know, is the early years that we were, obviously just planted the tree, we spent a lot of time carrying, we were very aware of it, and we were very much aware of the need that it had to be helped. In other words, every gardener knows, every grower knows that things will grow by the, just by, by God's power. I mean, everything that grows is that we believe has got, got kind of God's power behind it. But a tree will grow, but it needs help. It needs cultivation. It, we put, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of passionate about things like drip irrigation and fertilizer and and I love trees, by the way, and I could talk the rest of the time about trees. But, but we did spend time cultivating and, and participating in, in helping that tree grow. Then something just sort of happened over time. We didn't pay as much attention, but the tree did continue to grow, but it needed cultivation. 
It needed some help in order for it to, 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 to prosper and to get, get off to a great start. Well, that's a great metaphor for raising kids. It's also an important metaphor to, for us to realize when it comes to our own spiritual growth. In other words, spiritual growth is not something, well, becoming aware of Jesus and God in your life is not something that, that is just a one and done. You know, you receive the gift of salvation, you confess sin, you turn your life to Jesus, and you think, I get to just rest until heaven comes. No, it was never intended for that. It was intended for us to participate. And Craig quoted Dallas Willard, one of my favorite authors. In fact, I'm indebted to Dallas Willard. He's a famous writer on topics of especially Christian spiritual practices. He quoted him a few weeks ago, and he said, the gospel is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. In other words, if you feel like you've got to do it, that's, the gospel is not for that. But it's not opposed to the idea that we have to do some things in our lives because left to our own, we will drift. And that's what I want to talk about in relation to prayer this morning. Well, we talked about two things. One is um, the, the ball dropping. We talked about the coming of the, the new year. Um, I, I do... Paul, Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, and I, again, I don't know, guys, if we have the slides today, it's no problem, but I'll just read this to you. This is a quote that he wrote to a young pastor. The Apostle Paul wrote much of the New Testament. He was writing to a young pastor that he was apprenticing, and he wrote these words. He said, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' wive tales. And then he says this, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. In other words, it will take something on your part, Timothy, as a young pastor you have to train yourself. You might have heard the expression, it, training versus trying. Like, have you ever tried really hard to be patient with a three-year-old? It's very hard to try. But training, progressively, making, making progress is a way that we can develop uh, that in our lives. Now, one of the things that we also do this time of year, of course, and maybe you did this too, is resolutions. Anybody big, big on resolutions? Maybe coming to church all of, all of this year, is just, you're starting it today. We had a brief discussion around our dinner table this week about resolutions. Some of our family loves resolutions, and they want everybody in the family to participate. And we got into this discussion about Whole30. Do you guys know what that is? It's like this awful diet that you just, you don't eat anything good. And, and, um, but apparently it works for everybody. But um, we, I was being very pessimistic about it, and we al it almost went through. But we stopped it. So, but I don't know if you're, I don't know, I don't know if you're a resolutions person. Here's what I'd like you to consider today. And I don't know if you sat and thought, I gotta do better in my walk with Jesus this year, or I've got to do better in some of the some of the things that I know are routines and should be part of my life. But I hope is that in 2023, a new vision will grow for you that not just growing your time with the Lord, but seeing that as a means to an end. Here's the end. God loves you so much. God wants a relationship with you so much. He wants, to, he, wants you to, he wants to be part of your everyday life. He wants you to know that he's with you and he's for you. He wants you to know that when you mess up or if you've messed up, he forgives you and he accepts you. And so the time that we talk about to spend with him is something that we want to, I, want, I encourage you to think about because it's a chance for us to to engage with that, that love that God has for us. I'd like you to consider a question. I hesitated to ask it, but I'm going to ask it. Because I know when I ask this question, there'll be an invisible wave 
of guilt that kind of flows through the room because that happens to me when I hear it. How is your prayer life right now? Did you feel it? How is your prayer life right now? Tim Keller writes, he writes a lot of great stuff and I quote him every time I preach because I, I get so much out of his, his teaching. He says, there's probably three or four categories of prayer, so put yourself in one of these. He says, one is, are you sailing? And he uses this metaphor of a, of a boat, right? A sail and oars, right? No motor, just sails in a, you're in a boat with, a, with oars in a, in a sail. And he says, are you sailing right now? Sailing means you're living the Christian life with the wind at your back. God is real to your heart. You often feel his love. You see prayers being answered. When you study the Bible, you regularly get remarkable insights and you sense him speaking to you. You sense people around you being influenced by the Spirit through you. That's sailing. Are you rowing? Rowing means you're finding prayer and Bible reading to be more of a duty than a delight. God often, though not always, seems distant, and a sense of his presence is fairly rare. You don't see many of your prayers being answered. You may be struggling with doubts about God and yourself. Despite all of this, you haven't given up. You're still rowing. You continue to read the Bible and pray regularly, and you attend worship and reach out and serve people despite feeling dry. So are you, are you rowing? And then the third one, he said, are you drifting? Right? We probably can all relate to this. Drifting means that you experience the conditions of rowing, but you put the oars up. Like you don't see the purpose of it. Spiritual dryness and difficulties in life, circumstances have changed. But in response, instead of still rowing, still seeking God, still admitting that you're dry, still admitting that you need him, you just kind of gave up a little. You don't feel like even approaching God and obeying him. Why would you? So you don't pray and you don't read. You don't come to church anymore. And if, if, you're, not, if, if you're not careful, you begin to feel really sorry for your situation and for yourself. You drift into all kinds of mind-numbing behaviors, and it goes on and on. But the problem with drifting is you'll never drift into spiritual growth. You'll never drift into it. Spiritual growth is going to require something. And I don't know, you maybe are flashing through all the things in this past year, and I, I feel like I've experienced each one of those categories in my life, times when I feel like, like everything he said about sailing is true for me. And then there's times where I feel like I'm dry, I'm keep rowing. I still want to know God. I still want to learn his principles. I still want to be reminded of his promises. I'm going to keep rowing. And then there's times when I feel like, okay, God, I've tried. I've said the same thing over and over, and I haven't gotten anywhere, so I am going to put my, my oars up. Fortunately, as, as I've learned in my life, the longer I do that last stage, the worse it gets for me. So fortunately, I think one of the signs for me that things may be turning around is that I am not spending as much time drifting. Here's how Keller concludes. He says, if you, find, if you can find a way to pray and worship and obey, and obey despite negative circumstances and feelings, you won't be drifting. And when the winds come up again, you'll move ahead swiftly. In any case, pray no matter what. Praying is rowing. And sometimes it means rowing in the dark. You won't feel that you are making any progress at all, at all but, when, but when you do, the winds will rise again, and they surely will. 
and you will sail again before them. So maybe you just needed to hear that today. Should we close? I think it's so true of so many of us that we do love those high moments. I love when I feel God's presence. You know, sin looks bad to me. Uh, the, the desire for me to, to know God better, to serve him more, to be more generous with my finances and with my life. I love those moments. And we're going to talk about some of the things that, that happen when, when we have those high moments, how we can make a difference in the world. But when the, when the other moments come, and I don't know if yours has been just a, the year 2022, I don't know if it's been more recent, or I don't know if it's been a decade. But I'm here, and you're here today for a reason, and that's to remind ourselves that God doesn't want to leave us where we are. You didn't come here to hear a message today about this. You already know a lot of this kind of thing. God wants to do something in your life so that he can express his love to you more. Well, I thought, you know, when Craig asked me to do this thing on prayer, and, and, and uh, thank you for that, um, you might, it might imply that we really, the, us speakers, have this all figured out. And let me just tell you, we're journeyers with you. I feel like today, rather than an expert, I'm going to be a tour guide. I'm going to point some things out along the way because I'm, I'm kind of hoping I'll hear it at the same time. And I thought no better place to start for us would be when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. And look at what it means to have a routine of prayer that Jesus kind of, kind of gives us. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, and I have no idea if that's going to come on the screen. <laughs> okay, yay. Okay, this is Jesus. Here's his prelude. So his disciples asked, and he said this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive, have forgiven those, our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, one thing I... I've learned from this passage of scripture, particularly the Lord's Prayer, that's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, is that there is a universe packed into these, these few verses, and we're only going to touch on a couple of them today. But here's the first thing I'd like to just point out as your tour guide. When Jesus gives his little preamble, and I don't know if you guys can put that back up, but he says, he's assuming that you have a personal prayer life. Did you notice that? Three times he says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, he's assuming that part of your, your rhythm, your routine, is to have a personal prayer life. And he assumes that you're going to do it in private. He assumes that you're going to go, as he refers to the room, right, in the first century context, referring to an inner room in a house that has no windows, maybe where things are stored, cool, dry. You go into the quietest place that you can find so that nothing can distract you from the moments. 
And I, I, I love Archbishop William Temple says this about the solitude piece. So first of all, he assumes that you will pray. Secondly, he assumes that there's a solitude component or a needed solitude component. Archbishop William Temple says this, that your, your religion is what you do with your solitude. I think I said that right. Let me read it again. Your religion is what you do with your solitude. And I was wondering, you know, I've been noticing, I'm not looking at you in particular, but um, I've been noticing, you know, in my life, even when I go out to dinner with my family, I find when it, the conversation doesn't involve me, I, I, I can't help but go, okay, who just texted me real quick? And I know that this is a constant distraction to not only us, I think we have sort of a cultural attention deficit disorder because of all the inputs that we get, the constant, the constant challenges of trying to keep our world and mind quiet. And maybe the first thing that you could do this year is really carve out a time where you are in solitude, where you can have complete quiet. You can turn the radio off in the car. You can find places to start training yourself to be quiet with the Lord. Because I don't know about you, but I don't even need this. I have about 50 messages going through my head at any one moment. Have you ever done that where you sat down to pray and you go, I'm going to just really focus on God's goodness. I'm going to pray. And then all I can think about is that $10 that I thought was in my pocket and I don't know where it is. You know, you ever get distracted like that? Well, one of the things as you, as you grow in prayer, one of the things I'm trying to learn is when that comes up, I try to pray those distractions back to God and say, God, I might have lost it. I'm so careless, but you'll help me with that. Or I try to just keep a track of some of the things that are, are, are kind of out there so that my solitude can be more complete. So two things that Jesus assumes. One is that you will pray, and, and secondly, that you will, you will find a place and carve out a place in your life to pray. Now, some of you who have those little babies, I want to talk to you in just a minute, okay, because I know that's a very difficult season to try to find any kind of quiet. We'll come back to that. But notice how the prayer is also broken up. Can you guys, sorry to ask, but can you put that, the, the, the scripture back on the screen of just the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, so it says this, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Notice how it's kind of broke, the, the prayer is broken in half. The first half of the prayer is, th this is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's an old English word for holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first half of the prayer Jesus is teaching is a foundational principle, I think, for us to learn. It's the start of every prayer is an acknowledgement of God, acknowledgement of who God is. In this case, Jesus is saying, remind yourself that he's holy. Remind yourself that God is good. And I love that Jesus also included his life mission in the prayer. You know what his mission was? His mission was to bring heaven to earth. Remember how he did that? Remember when sick people would approach Jesus? What did the rabbis say? You have to, the sick person has to declare themselves unclean. Don't touch them. What did Jesus do to sick people? He came and he laid his hands on them. And he was bringing heaven to earth. He was bringing the glory of God, the holiness of God into earth. And so to start our prayers, one way to think about prayer is to start with this, this idea of adoration. Now, there's a simple acronym you might be aware of. Have you ever heard of this? ACTS, A-C-T-S. A is for adoration. C is for confession. T 
T is for thanksgiving, S is for supplication, which is a big long word for asking. It's a very commonly used, it's been used for centuries by Christians and by the church, but the idea is when we start our prayer time, if you don't have anything else to start with, you can always start with that. God, I worship you for your loving kindness. I worship you for the way that you have loved me even when I've been unlovable. I worship you, God. So adorations, A. C is confession. What are the things in my life that I need to confess to the Lord, that I either have held on to or that, that I need to confess for? Then T is thanksgiving. It's a way for us to say thank you for the grace that you've given so that the thing I just confessed, I can be free of and I can be released. And then finally, and this gets into the second half of the Lord's Prayer, is asking. Or in this case it says supplication, but it's asking. So you notice what, it, what it, the Lord's Prayer says. It says, give us and lead us and deliver us and forgive us. It's a, it's a time where, where, God, where Jesus is teaching that there's a, this kind of this rhythm of adoration and then asking. Notice that Jesus is not using the word me or I in that, by the way. He's using a very intentional plural word, give us, lead us, deliver us. And it's because he really sees that the coming of the kingdom of God from, from heaven to earth is going to involve you and me. And so when we pray, if you say, God, I have enough daily bread. In fact, I don't see any, any insecurity in my daily bread for a while but I know there's people that do. And it gives me a chance to pray beyond what I'm asking for for myself to the, what the world around me needs. And same as I move through the time of forgiveness and the time of people that are in terrible trials. You know, he, he talks about lead us not into temptation. Another word for temptation is trials. People are facing terrible trials. Who can I pray for and lift up? So just a couple things to point out. And then I want to just conclude by just sharing a few things that are kind of general observations about prayer as you think about what, what you're going to do in the next year and how prayer might, might factor into your life, I'd like to encourage you with a couple things. First of all, notice that Jesus' prayer, and for pastors this is always hard to admit, is very short. It's ten lines, right? You give us a microphone, we can't help ourselves. But it's ten lines long. Jesus is not saying go on and on and on and think of the creative words. In fact, the reason he referred to pagans, by the way, just a side note, little rabbit trail. The word pagans in the Bible is, is almost always used by Jewish believers talking about the non-Jewish world. So it's talking about people that believe in the, in the gods of Rome and in the, the gods of Greece. And there, you didn't know what side of the bed your god was going to get up on. So you needed to be sure you gave a long, long prelude, and then you could pray. Jesus is saying, you don't need that. Ten lines, short prayers, be succinct. So in other words, you don't have to think, if I don't have an hour-long prayer time, I'm somehow coming up short. Nope, short. So here's some observations. Your prayer time, when you think about the routine of prayer, it should not be a burden. It should not be a burden. If you're feeling guilty, okay, it might be a tiny burden at the beginning. Because anything you start new, anything that requires a certain sense of discipline, you're going to have to do something in order to begin to build uh, a routine in your life somewhere. But it's not intended to be a burden. It's, it's a relationship. It's not a routine. And so the number one emotion you should feel ultimately, and I hope you'll get there, 
is when you miss a prayer time, when you, you know, things were too rushed in the morning or whenever the, the time you had set aside, it gets taken over. You should feel sad that you missed out on spending time with the Lord. That's the number one thing. Dallas Willard said this, one of the signs of a healthy use of all the disciplines is how you feel when you do not do them. And if you feel guilt, then you need to rethink it. Guilt is not a profitable motivation for the spiritual life. It's a relationship and not a routine. And those of you who are parents, you know, would you want your kids to feel pressured and burdened to have a relationship, to spend all of the Christmas break with you, not thinking about anybody in particular? Um, they, they would reply instantly to your texts and say how amazing you are. Would, the correct answer is no. We don't want, we don't want to require that. We want, we want relationship to foster that. So it shouldn't feel like a burden. The second, second observation is there's tre tremendous freedom of expression in prayer. There's tremendous freedom of expression. The key elements, we saw them, right? Jesus says, you will, I'd like you to pray. You should have a prayer time. Should be quiet somewhere in your life. But maybe it's taking time at different times of the day for you to experience it. Some of you are morning people, right? And it's easy for you to get up early and have a time alone with God. Some of you are not, and night people. And so finding the time and finding the rhythm, there's tremendous freedom of expression. I have found for me, it's really hard for me to constantly be thinking the same routine every day. I've been through seasons of that. Anybody journal prayers? Yes, I, I've, I've done that for seasons where you write out your prayers and then my hand gets sore, you know, but, but, I, but I, I, it is a discipline and I have done that regularly over seasons of my life. And I don't worry anymore if I kind of lose steam on something like that because there's freedom of expression. And I think God also accepts the way that you're wired, right? So when an introvert like me hears that we should spend two hours alone with God, I'm like so happy. That's like the best news. I can just be alone by myself and I can entertain myself for two hours easily. My wife's an extrovert and she would feel like that is punishment. Like she wants to talk to somebody after a few minutes. Um, so whether you're introverted or extroverted, like I said, a morning person or an evening person, there, there's, God knows how you're wired, and God wants you to express it within the way he's made you. And there, finally, a couple other quick observations. There are different seasons of life, and one routine probably won't cover all of them. So here's a shout-out to you young parents. I remember those days. You know, you even try to go to the bathroom, and you see these little fingers under the door, right? Never have a quiet Never have a quiet moment. I want you to be free. I want you to have, I, as if you need my permission, I want you to feel free to have your quiet time during nap time or during a short stroller push or in the car somewhere where the baby sleeps. Have your, think of your time. It doesn't have to be with your Bible open next to a window every morning with a cup of coffee because you probably are not going to have that for a while. And then maybe it'll come back someday. But anyway, one routine probably won't last you your whole life. And then the last, a couple last things. One is, just be aware that peaks and valleys are inevitable. There will be times when you feel on top of the world with God. And there will be times when the rowing is going to kick in. Here's what I strongly, strongly urge you, and I've shared this with our staff, because sometimes, if I could just, again, a quick rabbit trail, sometimes in ministry, it can be real easy to think that because, I, you know, because God has given me gifts or energy or passion or vision, that that 
That equates to a personal life with God that is growing and making me whole and healthy. But if I'm not cultivating that, that life with God internally, if I'm not thinking about my character, the fruit of the Spirit in my life, um, then suddenly it becomes hollow and we can do all this activity and God can even use all those gifts and passions and vision, but we become hollowed out. And so I strong, so strongly ur to urge you that the idea of personally and taking time to pray and developing this relationship with God is something that will strengthen your love for others, your love for God and, and your inner core. Let me just say one last thing. I hesitated to do that. Maybe I don't have time. I'll, next time I come back, I'm going to share with you kind of an idea for how to do prayer. Okay? Um, a couple other ideas. If you need some creative ideas, pray the Psalms. Pick up a, pick up a Bible. And I, I encourage you to get a, a companion book. I just find that sometimes there's challenging sections in the Psalms, but a companion book like a book by Eugene Peterson called Answering God or Tim Keller's got a fabulous devotional called uh, The Songs of Jesus. You could follow along and, and just pray the Psalms through. That was the prayer book of Jesus. That's what Jesus prayed regularly. That might be a way to do it. I would like to encourage you, if you've had just a morning time, is to begin to think about that God wants to relate to you all day long. So maybe when you come to lunch or some break time in your life, um, instead of checking the news right away or the scores or who got traded or all the stuff I do, um, Pick up, go back to the, to the word of God and maybe read through slowly the Lord's Prayer or read through the 23rd Psalm and just kind of refocus yourself in the middle of the day. One, one discipline I'm really trying and I'm 50% I'm successful is evening prayer before I go to bed, before I go to sleep, have a time of quiet just, just by myself in order to kind of recenter and as Psalm 4 says, I lay my request before you so that I can sleep in peace. I encourage you to think about that. Just, I want to conclude, and the band's going to lead us here. The goal of spiritual practices and routines like prayer and rest, restraint, resilience, the things we'll talk about, is to know Jesus better and for you to feel his presence. I so want that for you. As we shape our lives according to his will and his mercy, you'll see the kingdom of God come into this world because he's still on the move. He is still healing. He is still bringing hope. And we have a chance to recognize that. So as we conclude, as you kind of launch yourself into 2023, we'd like to sort of close with this song as both a, a sense of meditation, like where these truths that we sing about right now be real in our lives, we're going to ask for that. But also that it would be, that it'd be a time for us to begin to think about what God might have for us on the other end of 2023. And the start is to begin to think about how I might engage with him in prayer and in Bible study. Thanks for your attention today. It's going to be a great series. We hope to see you on all the Sundays in January. Thanks.